Coming up on Locked on Dodgers, it's a mailbag episode. We're answering your questions about the Dodgers in October. We'll touch on uh, Kyle Hurt. We'll touch on Dodgers strength and weaknesses. We will talk about value and how it can be defined and if salary ought to be included in that. Uh, And we'll talk about who we'd rather play in the NLDS, maybe. That's what's on tap. So let's get Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching and listening right now. Then you can be an everydayer just like we are. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My co-host is Vince Samperio. We are doing a split episode today, so I will be with you for the first half of the episode. Vince will be with you for the second half. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room, so we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. We appreciate those of you who are with us every weekday, our everydayers. Uh, If you want to be an everydayer, just watch or listen every weekday morning, and then you're an everydayer. It's October 3rd today. Uh, the first day of the postseason, the Dodgers don't play for another four days uh, because they don't have to play in the first round, which is really nice. Uh, but now that it is the postseason, this is officially a playoff beard. I've never really had a playoff beard before. And so uh, I won't be trimming this baby until uh, late October when it's time to uh, dress up as Guy Fieri for Halloween. Uh, but until then, I, I am Grizzly Adams. And uh, we're going to talk about the Dodgers there, we, we got some good mailbag questions from you guys, uh, mostly about the postseason, but also I got one that I really liked that isn't specifically about the postseason, just about uh, value in general. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, in fact, let's jump right into that question. That one comes from uh, Doug Reynolds at CRCL805. Uh, Doug is an everydayer. Doug has been listening for a long time. We interact a lot on social media. I like Doug a lot. Uh, good dude. And he says, uh, are there different metrics that analyze the best value a player provided for the year? He puts value in quotes. Uh, he says, comparing what their contract cost and the production they had, I would assume J.D. Martinez would be way up there along with Jason Hayward, probably Outman and maybe even Freddie as well. Curious to hear the breakdown of who brought the best value to the organization this year. Thanks. And uh, I like that question a lot, Doug. And the answer is kind of tricky. And, and that's because value I don't think it's a linear thing and because really when, when you think about it, salaries are so there's so much disparity in salaries between rookies and veterans that the guys who give you the most bang for your buck are always going to be rookies or, you know, guys who pre-arbitration guys who are just making the league minimum or close to it. So like this year, James Outman wasn't the most valuable Dodger on the team. As far as war, he was fifth on the team, but he made a lot less money than everybody else ahead of him. And so uh, so I crunched the numbers. So Mookie's dollars per war, uh, if we want to look at it that way. The the Mookie had 8.4 war this year, made about 25.4 million. That means that his dollars per war was just over $3 million. That's very good. The, the average, the going price for war is about 8 to $10 million per war. And so Mookie 
uh, was very valuable. Despite being paid a lot of money, he was so good that it was worth it. Uh, Freddie Freeman made a little bit more than Mookie, had a little bit lower war, so his would be you know, a, a little bit worse, but still a good value in the four millions, right? Around $4 million per war, uh, per win. Uh, but then James Outman made $722,500. Uh, his salary was so low that I said the whole amount included the $500 because it actually, you know, is a substantial part of the, the salary. He had 3.3 war, which means that his dollars per war was $218,000 it's $218,787.88 per war. So like we're looking at one, what did I say? Mookie's was just over 3 million and Altman's was less than a quarter million. So, you know, Altman was like 13 or 14 times more valuable in the bang for your buck category. Uh, but a team of 26 James Altman's would not have been as good. It would have been a lot cheaper but it would not have been as ne- nearly as good as the team the Dodgers had. Uh, Altman was was good, but uh, you know you 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 can't get by just on those guys. You need the higher paid players, and so that's why it's hard to factor that. In. And then when you look at JD Martinez, who Doug asked about, he actually his WAR wasn't super great because he's a DH, which means he provides not just no defensive value, but actual actually negative defensive value, um, and he made ten ten million dollars and have 1.9 war, which puts him at just over $5 million per, per win. Uh, so less valuable in that regard than Mookie or Freddie, who made a lot more money than he did, but also got paid uh, a lot more than he, or got provided more value, played better. Um, Jason Hayward, 1.9 war also, but only $720,000, just the league minimum, because the Cubs are paying him. And so Hayward was, you know, roughly... Uh, a little less than half as valuable as Outman bang for your buck because they made about the same amount and Hayward had a lower war. And that's because of playing time and, you know, uh, defense and, you know, center field is a more valuable position than right field. All of those things factor into that. Uh, Will Smith was pretty valuable because he is still, uh, he hasn't hit free agency yet. So he's not making a ton of money. So he only made five and a quarter million, had 4.1 war which means he was just, you know, about one, 1.3 million per win or so. Very, very good. And so I think that's the common factor here with these Dodgers is that everybody, if if you talk about the going rate for a, a win, according to war being eight to $10 million, Dodgers didn't have many guys who were up in that range. You look at everybody like, uh, until you get to the relief pitchers, basically everybody like Caleb Ferguson was, uh, you know, 0.1 war, $1.1 million. So yeah, he was about that $10 million per war thing. Um, but that's a, a relief pitcher. So, and not much money. So the guys they actually spent significant money on, like Chris Taylor was probably their, their worst bang. No, uh, Julio was the worst bang for the buck. Uh, 0.7 war, um, and 14 and a quarter million dollars. Uh, so, uh, position player wise, Chris Taylor was probably the worst bang for the buck 1.3 war at $15 million. So that's a little over 10 million per win. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, the Dodgers did a really good job of signing guys who were going to be a better bang for your buck, which is kind of funny to say, because the Dodgers payroll is very high. They spend a lot of money, 
but they spend it really well. And that's the thing that a lot of teams are learning that you can throw money at a problem and, and, and it's not that it never works uh, to throw money at, at a team, but the Mets this year, the Padres this year showed just throwing money at a team doesn't do the, doesn't do the trick. The Phillies threw a lot of money at the team and yeah, they made the playoffs. Uh, they finished with 90 wins for the 16th time in, in franchise history, but they only won 90 games. The Dodgers won a hundred and uh, you know, and, and so different teams do it differently. I think this is really though evidence that Andrew Friedman is very, very good at his job and, he continues to put together really, really good teams and, and gets rid of the guys. Like, I mean, Trace Thompson was really bad and they were only paying him a little over a million bucks, but they traded him and they got something of value in return. So uh, Andrew Friedman's good at his job. And, you know, going back to my original point, wins aren't linear. So you can't just say, well, war divided by dollars. And this is how valuable a guy is. I think there's some point like Mookie, if Mookie had had two wins fewer, he still would have been very valuable bang for your bucks wise. You know, if he, cause he would have been right around Freddie Freeman's war. Freddie had a great season. Um, but subtracting two wins would subtract two wins from the total. And so like, as you get better, the value of Mookie's additional wins, I think is exponentially more valuable than a win. They can get somewhere lower on the roster. If that makes sense. Uh, anyway, I'm going to come back in a minute. I have one other question that I'm going to answer before I turn it over to Vince. We'll talk about strengths and weaknesses that the Dodgers have heading into the postseason. So thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And please keep it Locked On Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I've talked to you a lot about Bird Dogs, but just in case you haven't heard it, Bird Dogs are stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg. They give you a truly sculpted look. They just make you look good. Uh, they're kind of the same thing that Lululemon does, but they fit way better. Uh, and they fit a lot better than just regular khaki shorts that you can buy at any other store uh, that have like stiff cotton uh, that if, if you're built like me, you rip those things and, and they're just not comfortable. Bird dogs fix the issue by inventing their own kind of fabric. It's cloud knit fabric looks just like khaki, but it stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. It's anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. So it keeps you cool and dry all day. So you can do anything. You can, go golfing, you can go on a date, you can uh, hang out by the pool, you can work out. Uh, bird dogs do everything and they look good. I've told you this before, but I'll tell you again. A few months ago, my daughter graduated high school and I told my 16-year-old son, you need to dress up for the graduation. And he put on his bird dog shorts and a polo shirt and he looked great. He looked like he was dressed up. That was awesome. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB right now and enter pro... Enter promo code locked on MLB at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Hey, I am back. I want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, especially want to thank our everydayers who are with us every day. If you're not an everydayer, just start watching and listening every weekday morning, and then you are an everydayer. I want to remind you, you can catch every Dodger game uh, starting on Saturday when the Dodgers postseason finally starts. Catch all those games, the radio broadcast, Dodgers radio broadcast on Sirius XM or the SXM app by searching for Dodgers. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love to hear your thoughts in the YouTube comment section. If you listen on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you through social media or email or any of that information that Vince will give you at the end of the episode. Uh, that said, let's jump into my last question. This comes from 
our buddy Jeff, not me, a different Jeff. Uh, he asks, what are the strengths and the weaknesses that the Dodgers have heading into October? And for me, it's kind of funny because the strengths and weaknesses could be the same thing. If you break the, if you break things down into starting pitching, relief pitching and offense, um, I guess there's defense too. <laughs> Even defense could be a strength or weakness as we've seen sometimes. Um, but starting pitching could absolutely be a strength. Uh, Bobby Miller is great, has a lot of potential. He's a future ace. Clayton Kershaw has had a great season. Emmett Sheehan, Ryan Pepio, uh, a lot of those guys. I mean, there's potential for the Dodgers starting pitching to just dominate this October. But rookies are unpredictable. Clayton Kershaw's a little unpredictable, gives up, you know, all the runs he allows are on home runs. Can he continue to not have runners on base when he gives up those home runs? Lance Lynn, multiply that by 100. Uh, can he keep guys off base when he inevitably gives up a home run or two every time he pitches? Uh, so everybody, whether because of their youth or because of <laughs> their age, basically, uh, could be a strength or could be a weakness. And so that's really interesting. And the bullpen is not quite to the same extreme. The, the big five in the bullpen, uh, Phillips, Gratterall, Shelby Miller, Brazier, and Kelly, I think those five are going to be really good, especially if the Dodgers, you know, do some piggybacks, keep those, the big five fairly well rested. They could be pretty dominant. Uh, but then you've got the lefties, Ferguson and Vesia. If they make the roster, one or both of them make the roster, you know, what are we going to get from them? Are they going to trust them in any big situations? So the bullpen is a little bit of a question mark, especially when you also factor in that guys like, you know, Emmett Sheehan and Michael Grove and Lance Lynn and Ryan Yarbrough might be pitching out of the bullpen, maybe even Gavin Stone, Kyle Hurt. There's a lot of question marks there too. And then the offense, the offense has been awesome this year. They scored over 900 runs for the first time since the Dodgers came to LA, only 40 runs fewer than the, the Braves who everybody can uh, not stop talking about. Uh, 40 runs is not a lot over the course of 162 games. Dodgers, very good offense, but the Dodgers had a very good offense last year too. And then they just went cold in October and that they had that 0 for 20 stretch in the NLDS. And like, like I've said many times on this podcast and to anyone who will listen to me, that 0 for 20 stretch is so abnormal, not just for the Dodgers, but for anybody. It's just historically bad. If the Dodgers had gone four for 20, uh, which is still bad, that's a 200 batting average. If they'd gone four for 20 with runners in scoring position during that stretch, instead of 0 for 20, the Dodgers would have swept the NLDS against the Padres. And then who knows what would have happened? Like they, the best team doesn't always win. We know that. But the Dodgers, it, it, if they even perform poorly instead of not at all with runners in scoring position, they win that series. And, and so, you know, it happened. But that's why all of us, no matter how good the offense has been this year, we're going to go into October a little bit nervous because, uh, Anything can happen. And if they get cold and, and, you know, Mookie struggled a little bit in September, Freddie was good, but not as good as he was the rest of the year, Muncie and Outman and Smith. And uh, I mean, really only JD Martinez really dominated in September and even him, he struck out too much. And so, you know, you hope he can make the pitchers come into the strike zone. So all of these, like when, when somebody asked me, what are their strengths and weaknesses? I say, same thing, starting pitching bullpen and, and offense, it's their strengths. It's also could be their weakness. And that's why October baseball is so infuriating. It's why I always insist on enjoying the six months of the regular season because this was fun. This was such a fun season, and I will have time to be sad if the Dodgers get eliminated. I'm not going to start being sad beforehand. As of right now, I think it's perfectly real realistic to say the Dodgers have a good shot 
Uh, not a great shot. Nobody has a great shot. Even the Braves, everybody agrees they're the best team in baseball. I would guess that they have 24% chance of winning the World Series, something like that. And the Dodgers are probably 17%. It's not that much of a difference. You know, the fact is the odds are against both of them. Uh, and it wouldn't be that much more of an upset for the Dodgers to win it than for the Braves to win it. And so that's what I'm going to continue to root for and hope for and have confidence in until uh, I can no longer be confident in that. And uh, I encourage you all to take that approach with me because it's a lot more fun to watch baseball that way. Uh, with that said, that's going to do it for me. I'm going to turn it over to Vince. Uh, he's got a couple more questions from you guys to answer. So thanks for hanging out with me and Vince will be along in a minute. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snapping in action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So that's right. A $5 bet gets you $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Win or lose, that's $200 in bonus bets. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action the app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of <clears throat> betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. What is that? Well, the spread is how many points a team is going to win by or lose by. Player props is, you know, different player stats, yards, touchdowns, things of that nature. Are they going to get more or less, or are they going to score or not score? Over-unders, how many points or how many yards or how many touchdowns will someone score? You can go the over, you can go the under. There's a lot more other things. So go check it out right now at fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to my part of the episode, Locked On Dodgers. Thank you all for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Make sure to find us wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube and be coming every day or by listening every day. You can also catch the home broadcast for a Dodger, any Dodger games with SiriusXM or the SXM app. All you got to do is search Dodgers on there and uh, you can listen to the home broadcast. But it's playoff time, so maybe you want to start watching uh, and being stressed and nervous uh, or calm and cool and collected, depending on how you feel. But uh, for me, I'm going to probably be nervous. So let's get right back into these questions. We have one from our buddy Kevin at Blue Goon 82. He says, why do you think Kyle Hurt didn't get more than one appearance during the regular season? He mentions how the Phillies might have caught lightning in a bottle with uh, Kirk Green, and their pen is just as deep as the Dodgers was Hurt just not ready to be trusted? Uh, this, I would assume... Speaking from a fan's perspective, um, I don't know. I I don't think their bullpen overall was strong enough for them not to give Kyle Hurt a chance. I think maybe at the specific point where Hurt was moved up and down, the fact that Joe Kelly came back the next day didn't help. Um, I think that they were maybe still counting on, you know, they weren't sure exactly sure about Almonte and Daniel Hudson and those guys, if you know what they were going to do. I think the fact of the lack of four for sure starting pitchers um, probably factors into it a little bit. You know, if they had, you know, Kershaw and 
Bobby Miller and, you know, two more guys that they had 100% confidence in to be starting pitchers, then I think Kyle Hurt maybe gets a little bit more of an extended look because, you know, his stuff in, in a one-inning role would play up more than even a guy like, you know, Pepio, Sheehan, Stone, um, guys like that, Lance Lynn. But if they're going to need a lot of arms that throw multiple innings, and, well, I guess that doesn't really factor in too much because he's a guy who could throw multiple innings. But I think, all in all, I think when they brought him up, they were like, hey, we need arms, and we might as well get this guy on the roster. We're going to need to get him on the 40-man roster anyways. And he just looked a lot better than they maybe would have thought. And it stood out in our in our eyes. It stood out in you know a lot of fans' eyes. But realistically, they never were going to give him a shot. And I think, you know, that's one of those things where the lightning in a bottle. You know, we've seen guys catch that that lightning or just be come up and be dominant. And you know, if we've talked about it before, you know, we mentioned Francis Rodriguez with the Angels in 2002, and and David Price with the Rays in 2008, and and guys like that. But those guys were kind of more, I guess, needed in a sense. Or if we never saw Kai Hurt pitch that one inning, this isn't really a question. And it's still possible that they could use him in the postseason um, if guys, you know, are ineffective or if guys get hurt or, you know, if they see something or if they see something that, that gets him on the roster. Um, yeah, but ultimately, I think it might have just been too late in the Dodgers' eyes to give him enough innings in order for them to see what they got, if he could be trusted, things of that nature. But again, if if we randomly saw Kyle Hurt's name on the NLDS roster, I probably would be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be worried. I guess, or like, you know, oh my God, I'm scared that Kyle Hurts on the roster. Like that one inning and the stuff that he's shown in the minor leagues is good. It's elite stuff. Um, you know, he hasn't necessarily put it all together in terms of throwing strikes and all that. But yes, uh, t- to the specific question, why do you think? That's why I think it's just a matter of the roster crunch at the moment and what they need on this roster is maybe a little bit different than what they can count on him for. And then was he not ready to be trusted? I think it was a matter of they've had to use guys uh, that maybe weren't ready to be trusted either, but they've had to use them. And he just caught caught in a weird spot where actually the Dodgers had healthy arms and guys that were throwing effectively. Like if one of Pepio, Stone, Sheehan in that last month had been completely terrible, you know, maybe we do talk about Kyle Hurt being one of the guys that gets a chance, but it just didn't work out that way. All right, we got a question from John at John, JHN Chang 17. says, do you think Mookie's foot injury in the early part of September is the main reason he slumped these last few weeks? He goes on to add, he seems to be making a contact, but it's not getting the carry he, ha- he had earlier this year. And he's wondering if not having a 100% healthy landing foot is the cause. It might be. We can't say for sure. Uh, you know, Mookie didn't mention anything about it. 
Um, and if you're looking, you know, searching for answers or if you're looking for what was maybe different between August and September, that's possible. You know, it's very possible that in September, along with already it being a longer season, you might not feel 100% your freshest. Any little injury here and there can throw you off. We're hoping it's just a, you know, a little slump um, or if it is with this injury or this little foot issue that this week off can maybe help ail that and, uh, you know, kind of get it going or get it out. The good part, you know, is that if you go the month of September specifically or like the last 30 games, Mookie still was OPSing 880 or something like that. But that was very much carried by the first like week of this of September. If you go to his last 15 games, he's OPSing under 700. And if you go last week of the season, he's OPSing just under 600 with no homers in those last 15 games. So, and you know, if you go last 30 games, he had five homers, 17 RBIs. But then you go last 15 games, so you cut that in half. He has zero homers and four RBI. So he had five homer and 13 RBI the first 15 games of the last 30, and then nothing in four in the previous 15. So it might have been the foot. might have just been, you know, one little cold stretch. Uh, it might have just been, you know, I don't know. I, we can't say for sure. Um Putting a potential bothersome foot, his landing foot being that bothersome foot, uh, is very much enough to kind of throw somebody off and maybe put them in a little mini slump. Uh, But like I mentioned, what we're all thinking and hoping and wondering and wishing is that either, one, he's healthy, two, he pushes through it. If it is something that bothers him, three, it might have just been a little slump, and four, he gets out of that slump and you know, has if he can have the month he had in August right now, that'd be very, very, very ideal. And you know, I, it's one of those where who knows? You know, who knows? Uh, it just happens sometimes. Sometimes you get in a slump and it go didn't go your way. But uh, injury would also help explain things of that nature. So, you know, it's hard to give a for sure answer here, but uh, we we'll see. Last question is from Kershaw's Wrath at Gman1026. He says, who do we want to play Saturday, Brewers or D-backs? Uh, one note on this, we found out that Brandon Woodruff uh, is out for sure for the wild card series. And likely, I don't know if the exact wording was likely or we may, Craig Council basically said we may not see Brandon Woodruff the entire postseason. Uh, he has a shoulder issue, if I'm not mistaken. So, does that change anything? Uh, I mean, slightly. Uh, Burns Woodruff or Burns Peralta Woodruff is a lot different than Burns Peralta and Wade Biley. Um, in, in you know, even in a short series, that <clears throat> you're going to see. Want the pitcher, whoever throws in game one and two, probably come back and pitch four and five if needed. Um, but is that enough to kind of place them in the same as the D backs? And 
I'm not going to say who I'd rather play um, just because there's not a significant enough advantage in any which way for me to definitively be like, oh, yeah, I want to I'd rather face them. Um, you think about travel purposes, you know, the Diamondbacks, that's closer travel. The Dodgers are familiar with that stadium. Um, the Dodgers are familiar a little bit more familiar, obviously, with the Diamondbacks specifically, playing them 13 times instead of seven uh, against the against the Brewers. I think it's one of those where, pitching wise, the Brewers still have the advantage, and you'd rather not face them for that. Offensively, the D-backs have the advantage, and you'd rather not face them for that. It, it kind of goes there, like the you know Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta. You know, don't really want to face them. Even Wade Miley can have a good game, uh, potentially. And then you got the bullpen, Devin Williams. Hard to get to. So, the, the you know, thing is, like, Devin Williams can be neutralized if you're just never losing or in a close enough game for him to make that much of an impact. When the Dodgers swept the Brewers in the second half of the season, I don't even think we saw Devin Williams pitch because the Dodgers were up. And he was never needed in a safe situation or even in a late and close situation. Uh, so, you know, but then on the offensive side, they've been playing better, but there's not anyone that you're extremely concerned about. You know, Christian Yelich is having a good bounce back season. You know, guys like Rowdy Telez can always run into a fastball or even an off speed pitch, you know. You got guys like Mark Canna with some professional at bats, uh, but there's their offense has not been great, and there's not somebody you know a lot of guys specifically that you're like, oh man, I'm worried about them. For the D backs, you know, kind of the same offensively, they're not as good. Um, you know, Corbin Carroll is pretty good. Christian Walker just has always had the Dodgers number, but also you know if the Dodgers play the D backs. 19 times a year, or the Brewers 19 times a year the last few years, and then 13 times this year, you know, maybe some more guys would have emerged as a lot of want to face him. So I think for travel purposes and comf comfortability, uh, the D-backs would be a cool team to play, but also – the Brewers would be cool to play because offensively they're not as that good either. So it, it's not a cop-out answer per se. Um, if you had to ask me right now, I'd rather face the Diamondbacks, but it's not that large of a margin for me to say, oh, bring me the D-backs, bring me the D-backs, bring me the D-backs. It's more like, well, yeah, the D-backs would be cool to face. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, and depending on how everything lines up, you know, you got first game Tuesday in the wild card, but Zach Gallon's not lined up to pitch that game. It's Brandon Fats. So, which means Zach Gallon probably pitches Wednesday, I'm assuming. Um, so, if he pitches Wednesday, you got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. He wouldn't be able to pitch until game three. Oh, no, game two of an NLDS. So, and that means Merrill Kelly 
if he, if they get go to game three, would pitch a game three. I don't know. Like I said, I am worried about any team in the postseason, so I'm not going to say who I'd rather face, uh, like definitively, or be like, oh, give me them. It's more of a, mm, I'd rather face them, but it's not enough to be like anything huge. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day. Go find us wherever you have podcasts and on YouTube. Coming every day or by listening every day. Tell your friends, tell your family. Member Sirius XM, you can listen to the home broadcast for Dodger games if you search Dodgers on Sirius XM or the SXM app. You can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vincent's91. And DM either of us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also get a hold of us via email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com or via voicemail text at 323-863-LOCK. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car, if you're at home, Cherish my advice by podcast, Lockdown Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.